Turn with me to the uh, book of Ezekiel, the 33rd chapter. If you do not have a Bible, uh, raise your hand and one will be brought to you. Um, sure, who's going to do that? Oh, Judy, thank you. Um, so if you do not have a Bible, please raise your hand. Ezekiel 33. As you're turning there, uh, it is an amazing uh, book, uh, the book of Ezekiel. Uh, the history uh, of it is uh, the prophet himself was born in um, 622 B.C. He's a contemporary to the prophet of Daniel. Uh, when Daniel was taken to Babylon, Ezekiel was about 17 years old. Because of Israel's rebellion against God, Babylon had come against them. First in 605 B.C., um, then a second time in uh, 597 B.C., and it's believed that at this time Ezekiel himself was taken uh, to be uh, in Babylon, uh, and, then, um, and then again finally in 586 B.C. Um, Ezekiel's ministry went on for about 22 years. And the interesting thing about it, so he, so he, he, is, um, uh, he was born in 622 B.C. He died in 560 B.C. They figured that in 565 B.C. he had completed uh, the book of Ezekiel. Five years later, he passed away. But 22 years of ministry, 11 of them, his mouth was shut. Couldn't speak. We'll find out why. But isn't it interesting? He could not speak. And so um, this, at this time uh, is, is a time that, um, that the Lord is beginning to um, talk to him about opening up his mouth and beginning to speak to the people uh, because Jerusalem is about ready to fall. And, um, and so he needs to open his mouth. But hear the first nine uh, verses of Ezekiel 33. It says this, read with me, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, speak to your people and say to them, when I bring the sword against the land and the people of the land choose one of their men and make them their watchmen, and he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people, then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not heed the warning, the sword comes and takes their life. Their blood will be on their own head. Since they heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own head. If they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. But if the watchman sees the sword coming, and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchmen accountable for their blood. Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways, that wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn from their wicked sin, 
excuse me, turn from their ways, and they do not do so. They will die for their sin, though you yourself will be saved. Thus ends the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Let's pray with me. Heavenly Father, we live in a world uh, that is easily offended. We live in a world um, in which um, when someone speaks into someone's life about their sin, it seems like uh, the people so easily turn it off and say, I don't want to hear that negative word. Just speak positively to me. Father, you have said that that patience gives a man wisdom. And it's to the glory of a man to overlook an offense. And so, Father, as this word is being spoken today, as well as your servant has prepared, I pray that, Father, that more importantly, that our hearts will be open to hear your voice. And that our hearts will be open to, if we're living in sin, and it has been revealed to us, that even today, we respond. For Father, you have said, I do not take delight in the death of the wicked. And so let your word go forth today. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. So I remember the day as though it was yesterday. It was a beautiful sunny day. One of those days that there's no breeze, it's warm out at night, and, uh, and just, you know, you just, it's one of those days where you go, ah, I just wish this lasted forever in Michigan. <laughs> I have a friend of mine from down south that says, who would ever live in Michigan? That's a Virginian talking to you. But, but it was one of these nights, and I was out mowing the lawn. And, uh, and I like mowing the lawn. I like it when, when a lawn has got neat lines in it, and it, the grass is cut at a level, and you, right? You guys with me? Ladies with me? It's just the feeling of accomplishment, that it just, it looks sweet. And so I was mowing my lawn, and uh, I can remember just making a turn right by the sidewalk, and, and I'm, I'm pushing my lawnmower, and out of the corner of my eye, my second born, my son, is running on the sidewalk. And of course, for a moment, I, I look at him, and I am, I am so proud of him. I'm still proud of him today, and I was proud of him back then. I love my kids. I love my son. And, uh, and he's running, and, uh, and the next thing that comes in my peripheral view is a front end of a car. And the two pictures unfold in front of my face just at the moment that my son takes a left turn and runs out into the road. I don't know if you've had these moments. Sometimes they're in our dreams where you scream and you can't hear. Your, your voice doesn't come out of you. It's like you can't hear anything. Are you with me? You know, it's just like the same thing. Like you're trying to run and you can't go anywhere. And so I'm like, and that's how it sounded to me. I just like I couldn't get any voice out. And if you know me well, you know that I get a pretty loud voice. And so, um, so anyways, and I'm just going, no, you know, stop. And so 
Fortunately, the woman that was driving the car was watching my son too. And as she saw him, she began to slow down a bit, wondering what this crazy little kid's going to do. And when he ran out in front of that car, I'm not kidding you, she put the brakes on and inches away from him. Inches away from him. Well, as a father, uh, I uh, turned the mower off. I don't think I had to move. I think my arm was rubber made, and I stretched out in that road and grabbed that boy out of the road. And I sat him on my lap, and my normal way of disciplining is first to let them know why I'm disciplining them. Uh, and there's a reason for that, because I want my anger to equate to the discipline. I don't want to overreact to this. But I remember looking my son in the face and saying these words. Today, son, I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to spank you um, so that someday I don't find your bloody body in the road. You know, when we think about, um, about the word discipline, um, we think about it in a very negative way, but it's actually a very positive thing. It's a very positive thing. Hebrews tells us that the Lord disciplines those he loves. And listen to this. And he punishes every one of those that he calls child. And it's for one reason. Because he knows the truth. And everyone in this room that has never been disciplined in their life knows this truth to be true. If you're not disciplined, you're an illegitimate child. In your heart, you really come to believe that nobody really cares about you. Because proper discipline truly does reveal the amazing love of a father for his child, of a mother for her child. And the lack thereof, which then, of course, produces a wild heart that lives abandoned. Why do they live abandoned? Why? Why do you do what you want to do when you know that it's wrong? Because you don't believe anybody cares. You see, Paul said this, I am constrained by the love of Christ. I am compelled by the love of Christ. I am gripped by the love of Christ to live this life for Christ. When you don't believe anybody loves you, you live unrestrained. You live abandoned to evil. You do what you want to do, not caring about anybody else, because if I'm not loved, then, then I don't need to love. It is so important that you realize the reason you love is because you were first loved. And you believe it. You believe it's absolutely true. And it is a restraining and, and constricting and holding grip that absolutely holds your life. And your life becomes fruitful and productive because of that. That's not where Israel was. Israel was being taken captive, was taken captive by Babylon 
because of her sin, because of her rebellion against God, because through Isaiah and Jeremiah, nobody was listening. Just like, listen to me, just like today, you do not want to listen to me. I, I, you know, there's just moments in church where you kind of wish you had really the honesty, just absolute deep honesty, and that somebody could actually say, yeah, right now, Pastor, I really don't want to listen to you. I feel that in my spirit right now. I just don't want to listen to you. But you'll know that I'm true when two things happen in your life. When you leave here and, and this just rolls off your back and you forget about it. And the other thing is, is when you go and do what you want to do, not caring about what anybody says. Th those two things will prove to you when you leave this place that in the midst of this place, a, a demonic spirit was saying, don't listen to what he's saying. You don't need to listen to him. He doesn't know you. He doesn't know what you're going through. He really doesn't care about you. And that's a lie. That's a lie. And so they're in uh, by the, the um, Kabar River in Babylon in captivity. They had been there for um, some years since uh, or, uh, 605 to uh, 597. So about eight years they had been there. And God brought, um, he brought his watchmen. He brought his watchmen. Now, this is the interesting thing. As you, uh, as you look at Ezekiel, there's just, I think, some interesting things that the Lord says to Ezekiel. In the first part of Ezekiel, he sees the Shekinah glory of God coming from Jerusalem to Babylon. An amazing, um, um, diametrically opposed truth to the people in that era who thought that God was only their gods were only in the places that they worshipped. And God was showing Ezekiel, I go to places that I want to go to because every bit of this is mine. The earth is, uh, is his. Whether we admit it or not, we are his because he created us. He knit us together in our mother's womb. And so, um, and so he sees the Shekinah glory of God. He then says in... Um, in chapter 3, he says, Son of man, go now to the people of Israel and speak my words to them. You are not being sent to a people of obscure speech and strange language, but to a people of Israel. Not to many people of obscure speech and strange language whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I had sent you to them, they would listen to you. Interesting. But the people of Israel are not willing to listen because they are not willing to listen to me. For all the Israelites are hardened and obstinate. Is that you today? Is that me today? Or will you allow the Holy Spirit to soften your heart right now in the midst of these words? Let his spirit speak to you. Even despite the words I'm saying, will you let him talk to you today? Because the people of Israel would not, and they ended up... Um, they end up going into captivity and bondage. Do you understand that's why there's bondage today in your life? Do you? Stop blaming it on circumstances. Stop blaming it on others. Yes, I know that, that 
in some of your instances, there's been abuse that's happened. I, I, okay, I'm, I'm admitting that. I, I'm, I get that. But the thing is, you got a choice today. you got a choice today. Even though the enemy may be saying you have no choice, you have a choice today. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. And so, and so as we come uh, to 33 in the chapter, um, like I said, it's, it's 11 years now that, and, and this is the interesting thing about Ezekiel. How did God speak to an obstinate people? He spoke to them through drama. So, so Ezekiel was kind of used as an actor in front of them to depict what was going on in, in why they were where they were. Let me, can we apply that? Can we apply that to our lives? You know, when you've got to a point where you're not listening to God anymore, what does he do? He lets events happen in your life. He lets events unfold in your life where absolutely you can do nothing about them. You have no recourse. You're standing by helplessly watching. Why? Because he wants to show you your great need for him. Your great need for him. And so, like I said, after 11 years, God is about ready to open up uh, Ezekiel's mouth. Um, And uh, this is in 586 B.C. because this is the same year that Jerusalem was destroyed. Let that sink in. Destroyed. Destroyed. My point is this. America is in the midst of the 11 years. The word of God has been growing more and more quiet across this land for a lot of reasons. First of all, because there has been an assertive effort to cancel the culture of Christianity in our world. An assertive effort from the top down to stop it. It's not a political statement, it's a true statement. The second thing is, is because the church has become impotent that the gospel of Jesus Christ has not been preached in so many churches. I have a guy I know, affected my life in fact, and after 30 plus years is taking a stand on falsity and leading his church to do the same thing. What is happening? It's because we're in the 11 years. The prophet's mouth has grown quiet among us. The drama unfolding is a drama that is unfixable by human beings. I get it when you say I can't. That's a great place to start because you got to finish the sentence. But Jesus can. But Jesus can. But you got to get to the end of yourself. And that is where America is at. Romans 13, 11 through 12 says these words, And do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Wake up! Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. 
The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Do you know why the evil one wants you to sin? Do you know why? Because he doesn't want you to be effective for the gospel. Because he wants you to stay protected in yourself. Because he wants you to use your, your um, historical fact of your family to be an, an excuse why you're sitting in the seat that you are, not effective for the gospel. But I am telling you, it's time to wake up. Wake up, O watchman. Wake up. Sound the trumpet. The time is near. We're in the eleven. In, within the 11 years, there is much captivity around us, both in, in people's homes, in people's hearts, in, in institutions. In, there's so much bondage around us. Wake up. It's calling us to wake up as a church. And I really have two goals out of this message. First, um, to understand the action words of this text. We don't have time to, to, to do a, a great study, uh, but I want to know the action words of this text. And the second is um, um, to convict our hearts that change. You know, you know what the definition of insanity is? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different, something different. No! It's time for change. And in Christ, it's possible. But you're going to have to face specific sins, specific things in your life, and deal with them head on. Right, leadership? My leadership agree with that? Lives changed because we confessed our sin, because we faced it, because we repented of it, and because we're walking forward even when the temptation struggle is still there, we're still walking forward in Christ. That is where it is. We're not stuck. But you're going to have to hear the call. And so, As I th thought about it, I thought about the first word um, really is um, what, what um, Ryan read to you today uh, from, from um, uh, Matthew 24, and it's throughout this passage and so many other passages, and that's the word watch. What does it mean? It is the act or fact of keeping awake, alert in order to look after, protect, or guard. Our, our veterans kept watch. If, if I, I, I don't know a lot about veterans because I was not. I was, Sue and I were talking about this, and um, I was born in 1959, so I'm slightly over 21. Um, but it was, it was in, 19, in 1960 that mandatory... Um, service sign-up started to happen. So my cousin, who was born the 8th of January, 1960, he had to sign up um, to be on the list for possibilities of being called up to service. I did not. But I do know this, that, um, that they, um, they had you marching night and day. They had you hold watch for hours at gates. They had you learn 
to, um, um, to be vigilant about keeping watch. Because it could save your life and it could save the life of your, of your partner if you keep watch and know when the enemy is coming. So, um, so when he talks about keeping watch, it's personal, it's church-wide, and it's worldwide. Personal is Deuteronomy 4.9. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach your children and their children after them. Every one of us is called to keep watch over our lives and over our families. We're called to keep watch. Are you doing that? How are you doing that? That's not just making money and making sure the house is in shape. It's sharing the good news of the gospel. Somebody said to me the other day, he says, we're memorizing verses together, and he says, you know, when I'm memorizing my verses, it's like I'm preaching the gospel to me all the time. Yeah, that's keeping watch. Keeping the gospel fresh. A pastor for 30 years, over 30 years, listen to me, over 30 years, and he's turning off into false teaching. There's never a point, listen to me, some of you need to hear this, there's never a point in which you have arrived. Until the day you die, you should be growing, you should be maturing, you should be a disciple that's on task. I, there was an illustration that was given by Russ in our, in our men's Bible study. And it's because somebody asked him, well, you know, what about my life? How am, I, how am I doing? And Russ looks, and, and he says this story, and I just, I won't forget it. He says, you know, when a person is, is um, paddling upstream, you can't ever stop paddling. You can't ever stop paddling. As soon as you do, you'll drift downstream. <laughs> a wise one. <laughs> I absolutely love that, and it's true, people of God. It is true. It is true. Some of you have not even started paddling upstream yet. And so you're just, you're just like a dead salmon. You're just floating downstream off into the abyss. Start paddling today. You can in Jesus. You can. And so that's the first thing. Second thing is the church. Acts 20 28 through 31, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God. This is really, I really hit me until the fact that we have core team meeting today, our leadership meetings today, and we're hearing these words. Are you kidding me? And we got a new, new couple that's coming aboard. You guys will hear about them uh, down the road a little bit. So keep watch over yourselves in the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought by, bought by his own blood. I know that after I leave, Paul said, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number of number men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw any disciples after them. So be on your guard. Be on your guard. One thing I know about a watchman is that um, unless somebody's following Jesus Christ, usually they don't like the watchman. 
So the way that you keep people from following you and following Jesus, just speak the truth of the word. That'll do it. Either they'll be convicted and they won't like you for a while and then they'll repent and then they'll be back and they'll say, dude, I'm walking with you. Or they'll hate you. Been there. Been there. So, church. Third, so personally, church and then the world. Um, Ryan read part of Matthew 24 uh, to you today. And uh, um, listen, listen to this. Um, from, from 24, the fourth, starting with the fourth verse. It says, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Boy, that is true. You know that, don't you? When you were a child, somebody came to you and said, I'm Jesus Christ, and they were lying to you. And it has, it has led your life in ways that are not right for you. Renounce that. Renounce that lie. You hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise up against nation. Kingdom will rise up against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and to put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from this. Come on, people of God. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. You should wear a mask. No, you should not wear a mask. Come on. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. False religions, wars, natural disasters, religious persecution, growing deceptions, love in... The love and humanity growing cold and the continual growth of the gospel around the world. Can anyone say you don't see any of this happening today? I don't think there's any generation that has lived that is, that is more understanding of what's happening in our culture today than us right now. Do you have eyes to see it? Do you have ears to see it? Now again, what I liken here again, is not that we become reactive and that we take any kind of political stance, but that, first of all, we trust in the Lord with all our heart, lean not on our own understanding, in all our ways acknowledge Him, and He will make our path straight, but that it, listen to me, that it empowers us, listen, to preach the gospel. Trusting that He's in control, Trusting that these things have to incur so that the end will come. But you know what makes the end come quicker? Kyle telling somebody about Jesus on the streets. Lynn, now retired. What is that? Well, I don't have a clue. 
but has the opportunity in coffee or whatever else to share with friends the gospel of Jesus Christ. You guys in the, uh, in, in, in the um, uh, workforce uh, out there um, doing electrical and doing building and stuff and, and building pianos, who does that repair? But sharing the good news of Jesus Christ in every avenue that you're in because it's not by accident that God placed you there. The Lord says this, the rich and the poor have this in common. I have made both of them. Your value is not in how much money you make. Your value is in the fact that where you're at, whether rich or poor, that you seize the opportunity to share the good news with those people in that area. You live in an apartment, share in the apartment. You live in a mobile home park, share in a mobile home park. You live in a neighborhood, share it in your neighborhood. You work at a place, you work at multiple places, share the good news. You are excelling the gospel. You're excelling the, the, the coming of Christ. Something that the son did not know the date, but the father knows. And so, okay, all this to lead up to actions words. Every believer in Jesus Christ is called to be a watchman. You have been set on a wall somewhere. And you're called to be a watchman. It says here that um, it says that Son of Man, speak to your people and say to them, When I bring the sword against a land, and the people of the land choose one of their men, one of their believers, and make them make him or her their watchman. These are true believers of God. Now, this is, I'm not going to spend a ton of time here, but I do want, I, I want you to at least get the, get the grip of what it means for you to be a watchman. What it means to be as a watchman is the fact that the Holy Spirit has opened your heart up to something that's in front of you. Whether it's in your home or whether it's work, and you see the advancement of the enemy coming. Now, Who's the enemy? It can be a few things. The enemy can be the heart of your child who has decided to turn away from the Lord. The enemy can be someone who is proclaiming lies as truths. And we live in such a confused world. And I'm not going to get into everything, but do, do you understand? Listen to me. If somebody is believing the lie that there's something that they're not, then they're living a purposeless, undirected life. And they're a dead salmon being floated down a stream. Listen to me. You're in 
You're in a place I'm not. You talk to people I don't talk to. You hear what they say. You've been quiet because you believe that not saying anything is actually kindness and love. Let me ask you this question. If your best friend, because I know some of you, it's your best friend that's spouting this. If your best friend was going to jump off a bridge, would you do what you could to stop them? Answer the question. Don't look away, don't look down. Answer the question. Would you? And would you go as far as even tackling them, possibly hurting them, to stop them? Absolutely you would. Then why aren't you? How does a watchman prepare? How does a watchman prepare? Because we can't do this on our own. Colossians 4.2, some of you should probably, uh, um, yeah, there's two, two, chat, but two uh, uh, texts, but Colossians 4.2 says this, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So a watchman starts out in prayer. Some people have said doing um, you can ministries is so difficult for me. I, I can't hardly take it. I, I, don't, I don't even know if I dare to do that. Have you ever prayed about it? Have you ever spent time and say, Lord, prepare my heart to go out into the community? Prepare somebody's heart to hear a word from the Lord. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. 1 Timothy 4.16 says this, watch your life and doctrine closely. Boy, isn't, I mean, come on, 30 years as a pastor, and he is going off of his doctrine. He is, his life is being led down a path. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Amen? Mom and dad, you're a watchman over your family. Devote yourself to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. And... St- Stay closely to your doctrine and watch your life. It's easy for us to watch somebody else's life. We can, uh, we can quickly discern in other people's lives what they got to get right. Amen? Don't we spend a whole lot of time talking about what somebody else has to do? What about me? How about looking in the mirror and saying, what does Wayne got to do? So the action of a watchman is to stand on the rock of Jesus Christ. The truth of Scripture is that solid ground. And you will be ready if you do these things, if you devote yourself. He says, so when I bring the sword, when I bring the sword, the sword itself um, against the land, the sword in this particular um, instance represents the judgment of God on all sin. It's interesting to me that in this church age, we have somehow gotten away from the, to- the effect of sin. That somehow we've kind of got this attitude, well, God understands me. In fact, I heard these words from someone recently that is far away from the Lord. And this person said to me, well, God understands me, and God and I got this. No, you don't. 
You're living in perpetual sin every day. And God is okay with that? No way. He loves you way too much. In fact, he says in Isaiah 59 that his arm is not too short to save. But it's your sin that has separated us. And I'm not listening to you. We, uh, we've met with people over the years, and they, and, uh, and, and they live, uh, some of them have lived in perpetual sin. And they come to us, and they actually can write it on the board, the things that they're doing. Because that's what we do. We call them out and say, well, you, I don't need to judge you. You judge yourself. What are you doing? And so they have done it. And then um, Sue, uh, this, one of those times, just kind of um, uh, led by the Spirit, just wrote across the paper, sin. And this, this, this uh, people that we were meeting with said, you're, you're right. You're right. And yet they said that our relationship with the Lord is great and, and, and we are praying to him and we are in perfect union with God. Listen, people of God, can't be. Can't be. That's why the Lord brings a sword against you. That's why he has allowed the circumstance of bondage to come in your life because he wants you to realize that it is the bondage is actually the revealing of what's going on inside your heart. And if you will come to the Lord and you will give it to him, he will remove the, the sword. But not until you come to him. And so the sword, the watchman, blowing the trumpet. What does that mean? Blowing the trumpet. It is the gospel proclamation is the trumpet. uh, Titus uh, 3, 4 through 6 says this. But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and the renewal of the Holy Spirit whom poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior. You see, the interesting thing with the gospel is it's the kindness of God. And it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It is a very unkind act to watch your friend jumping off of a bridge to their death and you did nothing about it. But that's exactly what happens when you live in continual perpetual sin. When you are unwilling to do what God says to do, you are living against God. Some of us in this room are living as though the Creator does not exist. And that is the greatest sin because he created you to be in relationship with you and he loves you. Come on. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He made you exactly how you are. John is exactly the way God made him. Short because he's a carpet layer. He doesn't have far to go to get down to the carpet. <laughs> Praise God! If Joel were doing that, Joel's back would soon be out. But you believe that, that God created you exactly the way that he wanted you to. Now, yes, you're marred in the image of God because of sin. Absolutely. But you know what? He came to you in, in a horrible time in your life, and he says, I love you. And you received that love. It's changing your life. 
and so blow the trumpet and heed its warning is the next in verse 4 heed its warning Hosea 8.1 says, put the trumpet to your lips. An eagle is over the house of the Lord because the people have broken my covenants and rebelled against my law. You see, there's two things that's going on here. I've, I've shared them, but I want you to hear it again. There are two things here. First of all, is the broken covenant. What is the covenant of God? God loves you, and he wants you to be his people and to him to be your God. It's the summary of the covenant. That's what he wants. And his people, Israel, had broken the covenant. And that's why they're in bondage. But the second thing that happens, and this is, listen to me, this is why you live lawlessness, you live in lawlessness, is because, again, remember what I said earlier? Because you're not, you're not compelled and convinced of the love of God in your life. And it's that love that draws you and grips you and changes your life. It changes everything. But you're not convinced of that, so you don't live in covenant with him because, hey, he didn't love me. And your life becomes a life of lawlessness. And someday there's going to be the lawless one that is absolutely going to be full out. I'm God. I'm God. Be the leader of this world. He'll lead this world to a false peace, and then he will work to destroy this world. Heed the warning. Heed the warning. The sword has come. God's called you to be a watchman. You see it. Are you blowing the horn of the gospel, or are you staying quiet? You've got friends. You know exactly what I'm talking about. They're just living their life, just whatever. And today, God brought you here because he wants to make you a watchman by receiving the gospel of Jesus Christ in your life for the first time, by bowing your knee and saying, yeah, I see the sin in my life. I, I, I confess it out loud. I agree with you, and I repent of it, meaning that it, I change my mind and I change my actions. I used to think this way, I'm not anymore, I'm thinking thoughts after you, and I used to walk this way, but I'm not walking that way anymore, I'm walking this way, following you. Jesus said two words, follow me, follow me. Watchman, blow the trumpet, sword is coming, heed the warning. Now, why is this important? For I don't know. Maybe for some of you, I'm boring the tar out of you. Maybe for some of you, you're not listening. But why is this important to me to preach this message? Because, see, I've got responsibilities sitting in front of you. I've got a responsibility sitting in front of you. It says here that um, Let me just read it to you. It says, um, And he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people. Then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not heed the warning, the sword comes and takes their life. Their blood will be on their head. Since they heard the sound of the trumpet but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own head. If they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. 
meaning follow the Lord, and their life changed, and he bringing salvation in their life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people, and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. But I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. This is a somber passage for me. Somber. Because it is the fact that I am accountable to God to tell you the truth. Hebrews 13, 17 says this, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Next week, I'm going to preach on service comes out of gratitude. We live in a world in which the, many of the average um, people who come to church ask this question, what can the church do for me? And in that kind of society, um, there really isn't a heart that's open to the leading of the Holy Spirit of what he may be doing in you to build up the church. Because Wayne Andersman can't do it all. We need to do it together. But in that, in that is where so much offense comes. Because, well, the preacher's not giving me what I want. Or this church isn't doing for me what I want. And also, I'm not receiving any word because I'm not under the authority of the church. I'm over the authority. And you're never going to receive. I love that. I was reading the other day about um, the commander that came to Jesus shortly after um, his Sermon on the Mountain. Obviously, he was there. And, and, and he came to him and he said, he said this. He said... Um, this is all free because I didn't prepare this. Um, but but he, sa- he said this. He said, um, uh, he says, will you come, to my, w- will you come and, um, and heal my servant? And Jesus said, yes, I will. And, and then he says, no, 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 wait a minute. You don't have to come to my house because I'm not worthy enough to have you come to my house. But, but if you say the word... My servant will be healed. For see, I am a man that is under authority. And when my commander says, go, I go. And he says, come, I come. And I have men under my authority. And when I say go, they go. And I say, and, and I say come, they come. So just say it. You, you know what Jesus said in response to that? Nowhere in Israel do I see all faith like this. So it's all about authority. The gospel is a change of authority. You're no longer under the kingdom of this world. You're under the kingdom of heaven. 
and the authority of heaven through Jesus Christ becomes the authority that's over top of your head. That does two things. First of all, takes the responsibility off a newly um, widowed woman and says, Jesus has got me. He's got me. He's my king. In fact, he's now your husband. He's now your husband. He's always been, but now he's especially your husband. But the second thing is, is it changes everything of your life. It changes the very direction of your life because no longer do you have the right over your purpose and over your direction. What Jerry uses for his retirement is no longer Jerry's decision. Jesus, what do you want me to do in my retirement? That's what authority does in all of our lives. And so I'm accountable. I'm accountable to you all. I'm accountable to Jesus Christ first, but I'm accountable to tell you the truth. And so the watchmen, um, there's a sword coming, people. You're called to be a watchman. Blow the trumpet of the gospel. Don't stay quiet anymore. Because the warning is that people are breaking relationship with their creator, the covenant, and becoming lawless in their daily activities. Now, some people think that, um, you know, that, that because of this age of grace, God is not judging anymore. So basically, I can kind of, you know, I'm saved. I can basically do what I want to do. Um, anybody ever heard of the comedian Heather McDonald? No. So Heather McDonald is a comedian who is pretty foul-mouthed. And she's pretty um, um, uh, blasphemous against the Lord in her presentations. Well, it was one day she had a presentation that she was doing in front, and she literally out loud mocked Jesus Christ. Mocked him. She fainted and got a concussion. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, is God on his throne, and is he working today? Yes, he is. Is he judging all sin? Yes, he is. He's not making an excuse for your sin. He's not saying, oh, I get it. You don't have enough money. I get it. You have to do this because it's easier for you. He is not doing any of that. He's saying, my child, will you follow me? And I will make a way for you. Why is it important for you to follow Jesus right now? Because you got little feet behind you. And they're watching you. They're watching you. And they're saying, I know what mom and dad are doing is wrong. I wonder what they'll do about it. Because if they do nothing about it, then maybe I'll do it too. Because maybe it's okay. Because they're supposed to tell me the truth. And I know not all mom and dads do tell the truth. And I'm so sorry about that. I wish I could change that past. But you know what? You still have a Father in heaven who does tell the truth. It's always truthful. His very nature is truth. And his very nature is love. 
And people of God, he's enough. He's enough. Ryan um, read it for me, so I don't have to read it. It's a picture of the servant, of the master, who has left and he's been gone for a long time. And the scoffers in 2 Peter are saying, you know, things have always been the same and they're always going to be. Where is he who said he was going to return? And you know what? That scoffing is, is in our hearts. And it's begging us to live our life the way that we want to unconcerned about living our life in the light of eternity. Every day living for the Lord. Every day following Him. Every opportunity sharing the gospel. Every time. And I'm, I'm, I'm the same way. But Jesus says this. What if the servant isn't diligent to his task? What if he says, the master's been a long time in coming, and so I'm just gonna, and I think it was expanded in other areas, I'm just gonna get drunk, I'm just gonna do, eat the products that he's given me, and I'm just gonna live my life the way that I wanna live my life. And then the master returns. If anything that you take from this message today, and I'm ending, but if anything that you take from this message today is this, the time is close, the master is returning. If the apostle Paul said he's returning soon, how much 2,000 years later isn't he more returning soon? So get up. Do that which the master's calling you to do. If it's today you've never followed him, today, follow him. Don't wait. Time is short. You may die when you leave here and never get a chance. And you will face him. And he will say, I never knew you. Away from me. And so today, if you've been a follower of Jesus Christ and you see yourself just kind of being like the servant, just kind of caught up in your own life, doing your own thing, kind of not living in expectation of his return, not doing the duties he's calling you to do, then get up and do it. Today, repent of it. Absolutely, I'm going to do what you're calling me to do. Because time is short. And if you guys are on task and you're doing what God's calling you to do, people of God, up it. Up the ante. Let the very fiber of your being be behind what God is calling you to do. Because time is short. You don't have a lot of time to tell them. Don't worry about what they think of you. You're more accountable to God than you are to them. If they hate you because you share love with them, then you're just like Jesus, who the Old Testament says, they hated me without cause. Live that way. Your identity is in him, not in others. Be the watchman. You know, if, I don't know how many we have here. Man, we have 100 people here. If every single one of you took up the charge of being the watchman in your area, wherever you're at, whatever situation you're at, can you imagine what the impact's going to be? Now, yes, if you're going to be a watchman, be devoted to prayer. And with thanksgiving, 
follow him. Absolutely. People of God. Twelve men turned the world upside down. A hundred people could turn from Michigan to Virginia upside down. Upside down. Young people, yeah, listen to me. That's what you want to do with your life anyways. Right? Don't you have deep inside of you just that desire for your life to be a life that is purposeful and changing of the world around you? I, I, I think so. Amen? Yeah, amen. Amen. So, let's get at it. Stand with me. The praise team, come up. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, I know that there are people in this room that have been challenged by your spirit, not only today, but they've been challenged by your spirit in the past to do something that they thought was impossible. That they determined because of their circumstance, because of the things that they're in, because of that they are unable to do that. And yet, Lord, you are saying to them, wake up, O watchman. The sword is coming. Heed the warning. Blow the trumpet. Do what you're called to do. Make the hard decision. If it was easy, Lord, everybody would do it. But it is not to follow you because it is totally against the culture of this world that we live in. But Lord, I believe, I believe the fact that in this room there are world changers. We have the privilege and honor to pray over one um, who's going to be going to the Dominican Republic and to pray that, Father, with Kelly, that you will change the world in the Dominican Republic as she teaches English and as she proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ in that place. But, Lord, we don't have to go across the sea for life to be changed. We can go to our neighbor's. We can go uh, to our communities. We can go to our businesses. We can go these places, and Lord, things can change. Not because of us, but because we're obeying you and your authority in our life. And in the midst of that, Lord, people see your face in us, and they're changed because of you. And so, Father, I pray for that person that knows what they need to do but is afraid to do it. I pray for that person that's never known what they need to do and that today they finally come to the place of saying, hey, I know what I need to do. I pray for us who know what we need to do but so many times refuse to do it. It's too much. I can't handle it. Lord, reinvigorize your church. Reinvigorate your church let your Holy Spirit be so strong in this place that we come to the place of realizing that there's nothing we can't do in Jesus Christ. And then let us go do it. We love you, and we thank you for the word that's true. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.